Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Here we read Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, something that is worth celebrating. And as this is a familiar event, if you're reading the Bible and you are a Christian, my encouragement again as we read about the resurrection for the third time this year is take this personally. Consider even as we read this how important the rest of the New Testament says that this is. Consider what it says in Romans chapter 1, where it describes Jesus, and it says, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. This resurrection is how we know that He is the Son of God, that what He said was true. Or consider the words of 1 Corinthians 15, which remind us that without the resurrection, our faith is in vain. We have bought a lie. Our lives are in vain. We are to be pitied. But then it goes on to make the point, but the resurrection did occur. There were eyewitnesses. We know this and we will also be raised. We will experience a new body. So even there, as you read about the resurrection of Jesus, you are reading about something that if you die before Christ returns, you will experience rising from the dead. This is what the Bible teaches. So don't just read through this today. Okay, yeah, the resurrection, I know about this. No, think about what it means. Uh, that because of the resurrection, our faith is not in vain. Because of the resurrection, we know who Jesus is. And because of the resurrection, we have hope for a resurrection in the future. Now, as we look at Luke 24, one of the unique things about it in the resurrection account is the lengthy description of this conversation between Jesus and two men on the road to Emmaus. And it's very interesting that Jesus chooses to do this. These aren't figures that we're very familiar with uh, throughout the Gospels, but we see him joining these men kind of incognito. It says in verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus is walking with these two men and they don't know who he is. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the, the things that have happened there in these days? So clearly 
That's another thing that should give us confidence in the resurrection. None of this happened under a rock. This was the headline news item. And I don't think the Jerusalem Post was publishing anything yet. And there definitely wasn't any Twitter or Facebook. But this was this is the topic of conversation in Jerusalem, where the guys are basically saying, have you been under a rock? How could you miss the news about what happened to Jesus? And Jesus kind of plays dumb here. Verse 19, what things? And he says, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, aka the Messiah, the Christ. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they had seen the vision of angels who said that he was alive, some of these, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And it almost seems they're walking away from Jerusalem. They might not believe these reports. And you see how Jesus feels about that. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And so he opens up the New Testament. And I, I don't know what this is going to be like. I, I have hopes. And again, I'm sure God will, will do better than, than we think. But I have this imagination of, is there like a DVD room in heaven or a YouTube computer where you can go and watch biblical scenes? Because man, I would love to be able to go and be a fly on the wall for what did Jesus say? Here, it, it doesn't tell us. It just says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus opens up the Old Testament and points out, shouldn't you have known that the Messiah would die and rise again? This should have been clear to you from the scriptures. Now that is a pretty amazing statement. And I wish I could have heard Jesus's sermon. But since we can't right now, and who knows what we will be able to in the future, we can't hear that sermon. One thing we should note is that Luke doesn't include all the references here. And even how Jesus talks, he talks in a way of saying, guys, this should be obvious. So if you've read the New Testament, it shouldn't be hard for you to come up with verses to say, oh, this shows that the Messiah would die and rise. Um, One verse that should come to your mind pretty quickly, and maybe it's the first thing popping into your mind, is Isaiah 53, which says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And then later in verse 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. So there you see some clear references to the suffering of the Messiah, but then you start to see 
when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You, you see the Messiah suffering, but the suffering clearly is not the end. Or we go back to a, a psalm that Peter will then use in the first sermon of the early church, Psalm 16, where in this Psalm of David, he quotes from verse 10, where it says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy ones see corruption. And it's as if Peter points in the direction of David's tomb and says, guys, David's dead right over there. Clearly, this isn't talking about him. This is talking about the Messiah. And even it talks about uh, that he used Moses and the prophets. So far, we've uh, really referenced Isaiah, the prophets, or Psalms, which was part of the writings as the Hebrews kind of broke down the Old Testament. Think of Moses, even going back to Genesis 3, uh, what we call the the first gospel, that the seed of the woman someday would crush the head of the snake, or even things that are pictured for us, like uh, the sacrifice of Isaac, where there is a substitute, or Exodus, and the Passover, and then all the sacrifices. All of that should have pointed to the Messiah. And so while I would love to go back and be a fly on the wall and listen to Jesus give that message from the Old Testament, the implication Jesus gives us is that if we've read the Old Testament, we should be able to see a lot of these things. You know, it shouldn't be hard to notice. He he calls them foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. So Jesus isn't thinking, man, I'm unpacking something that's totally novel. He's saying, I'm showing you what you should have already seen. So that should be something for us to consider as we look at this account in Luke 24. And finally, we get to Jesus appearing to his disciples and We see a passage, you know, we think a lot about the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, but each gospel has some words of commissioning. And in verse 46, he says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And that takes us back even to the beginning of the gospel of Luke, where we saw how critical forgiveness was to this picture from the beginning and even the words that were spoken and how even in the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of John the Baptist, repentance was central. And here we see, hey, you need to go proclaim repentance and forgiveness. Tell people to turn from their sins. And as they turn from their sins and put their trust in Christ, they will find forgiveness. That is the message we are commissioned to give and to bring to the world. And that's the mission that's passed down to us. So even are you sharing the gospel? And as you do, are you seeking to make those themes, repentance and forgiveness, central as Jesus taught that they should be? So there, again, we read the familiar account of the resurrection. And Luke, even as he'll record it in Acts, he still gives us the ascension. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And when he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now the ascension 
maybe doesn't get as much press as it should because it is important. Consider even what we just recently read. If we go back to uh, chapter 22, what does Jesus say um, in his as he's being accused, what does he say in his defense? He says, but from now on, the son of man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Well, how's he going to get there? The ascension. So the ascension reminds us Jesus has returned to the right hand of the father and he is there. And even as we reminded ourselves the other day, he's there interceding for us. So there's another thing to notice as we wrap up the gospel of Luke. So three gospels down, one more to go. And I'm excited to start John, the most unique of the Gospels, as we continue this journey through the Bible. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.